I'm Isaac, your podcast host, and welcome to This Undefined, the podcast that aims to break down the social context of what you heard and what you believe. From health, culture, business, and beyond, no topic is left off the table. So tune in as we try to make sense of how we all define our own perspectives and the people who have an opinion about it. Our next series revolves around recovery. Self-care requires practice. The mindset to look past our own judgment over our body and mind teaches us more about ourselves than we care to realize. In fact, recovery allows us the space to center our focus from all the time and energy we've used to live out our expectations. For like most things in life, it's how we recover from our actions that make all of our efforts even more worthwhile. Our guests in this series will highlight different methods we can all be mindful of applying. Now, with that in mind, this is Functional Range Conditioning, Undefined, with guest Nathan Barbosa. For so long, I forgot to even mention that because yeah. our our story is very interesting because I knew Nathan like eleven years ago, and we worked Has it together. Been that long was it eleven years, dude? Yeah, it's been eleven years, and eleven years we worked together. You were like in a different field, not even thinking about um, oh yeah personal training. I was, I was making sandwiches and smoothies in the cafe <laughs> at Lifetime. Yeah, 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 and uh, and so yeah, that's how we we know each other and became friends, and then we split off. Uh, I went to a different gym and then you stayed there for a while. Mm-hmm. I had my own experience and then you went into training, got into that stuff. And then it wasn't until those, maybe now it's like maybe nine years or 10 years later, I got to where I am currently. And then, and then I heard that you were there. I was like, Nathan, like lifetime, Nathan. And they were like, yeah, Barbosa, or he worked at lifetime. And I was like, that can be him. And then I saw you, I was like, what? And then this whole story of what you've done in the last nine years, I was like shocked and really excited for you. I was like, wow, you're a different person. It's definitely, I mean, I, yeah, definitely. (laughs) I mean, when you, when we first met, I mean, I'm pretty sure I was barely legal to drive. I mean, at that point. So it's been, it's been a journey to say the least. Um, it's been fun training from you know getting started and training up in Ditton at a little hole in the wall gym called diesel fitness that was run by a bunch of meatheads mm-hmm. who i'm pretty sure were probably hustling steroids out of the back and <laughs> who is it know, now apparently right for real <laughs> but to go, to go through the big box gyms and go into 24-hour fitness and then the lifetime and then to um self-employment and on uh, entrepreneurship as a as a trainer has been has been pretty crazy um but yeah i mean i was so i guess i'll go ahead and yeah. talk about my, my journey as of right now and kind of go through it. So um, it's been about eight, eight, nine years since I started doing everything. And I started just as a trainer, nothing fancy, nothing special. I just knew I loved working out and I like teaching people to work out. Um, for the first probably four years of my career, um, I, I basically just did your standard PT stuff, nothing, nothing groundbreaking. I've always liked the corrective exercise stuff, or at least from what I used to think corrective exercise was when I was getting certified through NASM and stuff like that. And, um, that just kind of kept evolving into a more and more precise practice of how I look at the human body. Um, once I discovered functional range conditioning about three and a half years ago, that's what really 
changed everything. So about it's been about four years since I completely changed everything I do as a trainer. Um, and with when FRC came into the realm, when F, so FRC is functional range conditioning. That's kind of the the practice that everything I do is based around. And within FRC, over the course of four years, I've taken um, the FRC course, the functional range condition conditioning course, or the the functional range assessment course. Um, the kin stretch course, which is the group training format of FRC. And then I've gone through all three levels of the functional range release. And then throughout all that, I became a massage therapist as well. So as, as I started learning more, I realized the, what really was the big game changer for me was making the decision to become a therapist and get that skill and get that, that license to touch. Um, when I was training forever ago at lifetime, um, i nobody told us not to put our hands on people, uh, which was, which was nice. It was incredibly illegal, but it was nice. <laughs> yeah. I know over here as a massage therapist, I was like, they're not supposed to do that, but it's yeah. Right. <laughs> and you know, the department heads and the assistant department head, were all doing it too. So, you know, it was kind of yeah. open season at that Trickle point down. in time. <laughs> yeah. There were no rules didn't exist. It's like, just don't do anything <laughs> stupid and you're okay. But somewhere along the line, um, I knew to make, cause I couldn't advertise what I was doing. I was doing body work on people. I was doing this like tissue work. I had been playing with scraping and cupping and stuff like that, but I couldn't post about it. I couldn't advertise. It. So becoming a therapist was what really allowed me to break out, uh, I believe. And that's what allowed me to really throw the doors open for this niche that I'm in. And then that's where I became super specialized into this flexibility, mobility and joint function niche with my uh, kind of this integrated approach that I do. And now I'm just building off of that and just trying to keep running with it. And the goal is eventually I'll be able to teach people what I've been through and become more of an educator in this niche. Cause it's not a very, the, the, this mobility niche is and flexibility stuff is becoming more and more popular, but a lot of it is just people on Instagram that are just copying each other's stuff. Yeah. And there's not a lot of good rationale behind it. There's not a lot of good coaches behind it. The people who are teaching it at, at the highest level right now are doing it in a great way, but the more I'm in it, the more I think it could be taught differently to attack an even bigger population of people. So I, I mean, in, in, in my world or in my mind, I would like this to become a fundamental piece of training that every trainer learns. Yeah. Maybe some point the stars align and I become the guy who can make that like a barrier to entry for a lot of people. As of right now, I'm just trying to keep mastering this craft and uh, keep making a name for myself in the Dallas area. Yeah. And uh, eventually, hopefully it blows up. Yeah. And you have. And that's the reason I wanted to talk to you, because we can talk about this a little bit just because I think you would relate as a trainer. Getting the certification of FRC, you went through the whole thing. Most time, most of the times people take the intro to something and then kind of take it and then research on their own. And then they build on because once you go into a certification, you have to keep paying for recertification, all these different things that are valid in its own form, but also kind of contribute to why things can become sort of clickish. But there is some value to going through that whole certification process. And the fact that you went through everything that FRC shows and you have to do kin stretch, I think you sort of then come out of it at the end and really dive into how you at least are currently mastering that craft. So can you speak a little bit of how that, how you kind of dealt with that process? Uh, because I don't, I feel like not a lot of people, at least, I don't know if you can speak to it too, but like that you, that I've worked with have gone through the whole thing of something. I've gone through whole things of something only because I'm like, I'm gonna go through it. 
because I'm if I'm going to pay right. for it, I want to know, yeah. I want to get to the end. But a lot of people, and I understand both sides, uh, because there's just a lot of, uh, I guess, politics to that. But what do you think? Well, I think a lot of, and I, I'm going to say this first part, because I know some great trainers who, like um, a trainer, I don't know if you remember him, I'm not going to throw his name out, but he worked, he was one of the department heads when I think when you were there as a trainer, uh, or as a, as a therapist, but he, he's a, he's a good friend of mine. I still talk to him regularly, but his whole thing, because he's more of a traditional trainer, but he wanted to be a master generalist. He wanted to be able to get as much education in every little field within the fitness world possible. And then, so he could use the bits and pieces where it seems to fit in his, with his clientele, which I totally mm -hmm. understand. I feel like yeah. a lot of people, that's what most people in the training and fitness world typically do. And even in the massage world, I feel like it's a lot yeah. of, let's go try this. Let's learn, let's learn lymphatic. Let's learn myofascial. Let's learn trigger point. Let's learn cupping. Let's learn scraping. And it's a lot of like little stuff. Um, and it's just to get, become well equipped with generalized knowledge of numerous modalities. So you yeah. can have the tools in the toolbox. I don't think a lot of people do what I've done because I think for a lot of people that's too specialized. Yeah. Um, I personally, for me, once I found functional range conditioning and the same trainer I'm talking about is the reason I took FRC. Um, and I will forever be grateful to him because yeah. he's the, he's truly the reason I've become the practitioner I am today, whether he feels that credit is justified giving to him or not, I will give yeah. it to him. There was um, an impact. It was a huge impact. Yeah. But once I stepped into FRC, that showed me a world of human movement and understanding of physiology and biology and tissue mechanics that I had never gathered from anywhere before. Nobody teaches stuff at that level. And that's specific and teaches this super nitty gritty understanding of what the human biology and anatomy is actually going through in movement. And once I got a taste of that, I had to take as much of it as I could. Like I'm just the way my brain works. That's yeah. like, to me, that's so much more important than your squat progressive overload and, you know, how to transition from a, from a, a split squat to jumping to, you know, to decelt work or whatever it is, but understanding the human was way more important than understanding how to train the human. Yeah. Um, and then the more I kept going into these different levels of training or these, these levels within functional range systems, it became like in, it was just fun for me. Like, First, I learned the basics with FRC. Then I learned how to assess properly with functional range assessment. Then I learned how to train groups with kin stretch. At that point, I was becoming a manual therapist. And then I was like, you know what? This can be applied to a micro level with individualized like stress lines of tissue and learning how to assess how tissues passively lengthen and being able to feel that underneath my fingers was like being a kid in a candy store. I mean, I like that's what, I mean, I just, I went nuts over that. And then I knocked out all three levels of functional range release in a matter of three and a half months. And it's just been, that practice was just like the gift that keeps on giving for me. And now that I've completed the entire thing, I've fine tuned throughout the whole process. And it's, uh, now I'm figuring out how to kind of make it my own instead of following the rules that were given. Now I'm reworking my own rules based off my own clientele. Cause there's no one way to do anything. No, yeah. These guys teach a very, very specific practice and specific way of doing things based off their own principles. And it, it makes sense if we were to go into the nitty gritty of it and really talk about the whys behind it. But 
there's better, there's, there's better ways of doing things for certain populations. And most populations don't need to be ultra specialized the way that I, I was taught for the last few months or the last couple of years. So now I'm realizing like we can get these same type of results faster using similar techniques, um, but it doesn't need to be as nitty gritty and it's just as effective. So just the learning and the trial and error, and thank God I take good notes with my clients because I'm able to look back on things I did yeah. a year ago and be like, why did I spend 45 minutes trying to just stretch somebody's shoulder? And now I can do the same thing in three minutes and then spend 40 minutes training that shoulder and I can get the exact same output that I want. Yeah. So it's just, it's a, it's been a, it's a fun process, but I, I had to go through all six levels of this before I could get to the point to where you, I could honestly say, you know what, I can do this better, or this yeah. can be done better, or this can be simplified. Yeah, yeah. Because there's this, there's an art to teaching that, right? So I think it, you don't understand it until you go through it all the way. Because what mm -hmm. happens is, you know, you go and these instructors are showing you the the methods of what what to do, but they're they're not showing you like the application in real life. Right. So they're just giving you like, this is the, this is the map. But then when you go out in the real world, it's not going to look like how we're presenting it, but we're giving you those tools so that you can then critically think and help each person individually. And that takes other things in your toolbox of what you've done aside from that. And when you kind of understand that is when you sort of come out at the end, and like what you're doing now, finding your way of, of specializing even more what your, your population is, is coming to you for. Right. I still still got a lot to learn for sure. I mean, yeah, I, I know always, me, right? me, me, me and you talk a lot about yeah. all the things that we're trying to pick up and learn from and or the yeah. people we want to learn from. And it's I'm I'm thankful that I'm a nerd when it comes to wanting to learn. I know it's gonna help me in the long run, but I I just want other people who are listening to this, and I'll probably say this again at the end, like just keep learning things. Like just yeah. if you find something that sparks your interest, like even if it's expensive, just like suck it up and go pay for it. Like, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Good education is worth good money. I mean, people come out of, you know, college with PhDs with hundreds of thousand dollars of debt and have no idea of what the hell they learned, but you can yeah. go pay $1,500 and learn from a specialist somewhere mm -hmm. at a seminar who can give you basically a hundred grand worth of information. I know it's yeah. a lot upfront. You don't get to finance it, but it's amazing yeah. what you can learn from people nowadays. And honestly, COVID has been a blessing because you can learn some incredible things right now from people all over the world for next yeah. to nothing in terms of what like it would typically cost. Yeah. To fly so, or whatever. Oh yeah. So if you're, if you're anybody on the fence on education right now, listening to this, like just go do it. Like, yeah, I know yeah. virtual isn't the best, but I mean, even if you get half of what would you would normally gather from an in-person, you're paying like a third of the price right now mm -hmm. for it. So yeah. take advantage of that. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk a little bit of what FRC is. So a lot of what uh, you have to do once you have completed something is define what it is that you're doing and why it, is, why it is you're doing it. So with FRC, how has that solidified more of your mission statement and what you're doing in your profession? First, I'll just talk about what FRC is. So functional range conditioning is a modality or rationale that's based off of a bunch of um, cross-referencing of literature between um, mechanics of tissue, uh, physics, ne uh, neuroscience, and some behavioral science that's all pulled together to uh, look at the way we need to train joints and look at joint function to get the most out of them with minimal compensation. 
most people don't think about this type of thing at all when they train. Very few people seem to focus on what the joint is doing. And most trainers that I've worked with in the past, um, not necessarily currently, but in the past, were focused on how to make the quad fire the heaviest, how to get the most out of the glute, how to get hamstrings to fatigue the most, what's going to give you the best bicep pump. But nobody was ever taught how to make the joint function better. So that way the receptors in that joint can talk to the receptors in the tissue to get that to function better. And no one talked about the trickle down effect. And that's what FRC is. It looks at the deepest stuff in a joint. And we look at how we can make that stuff perform better, which leads to a trickle down effect through the soft tissue and the muscle being able to function better. So it's just, it's a, it's just a deeper approach to what most of us are already doing as trainers. Um, but if you make the deep stuff work nice, everything else works nice. And it's a, it's, yeah, it takes some time. And some, for some people it's too nitty gritty and they don't want to do it. But if you spend a couple months with somebody increasing a hip capsule potential for internal and external range of motion, and you make sure you get these rotational demands in your joints, you'd be amazed what that person can do with their squat, with their lunge, with their jumping, with, with whatever it is. And FRC is just a structured approach to the joint stuff. So we can do everything else outside of that and make everything else easier. The way I'm using that now is it, everything for the last couple of years, up until about probably about six months ago, not even that actually, probably up until about four months ago, everything I was doing was entirely based around this joint priority protocol. Everything was how do I mobilize the joint? How do I increase this rotational capacity of the joint? Um, how do I get flexibility in the tissue? So that way there's no early restrictions in the joint. And that was all I was doing. But now in just the last few months, it's evolved into a hybrid approach of this nitty gritty joint function. And I've learned that we can add in some traditional, more traditional strength training methods, just focusing on range of motion. And we can get the exact same results, if not faster, because we're putting more demand on the central nervous system. So we're getting, we're just able to check more boxes uh, with our training. And that's, that's kind of where I'm at now from pulling from this super, super specialized nitty gritty approach with FRC only to evolving it to where the joint is still priority. But now we're doing a lot more of this bigger movement, trying to get the human to be a better human instead of just the joint to be a better joint. How, what was your personal experience that uh, attracted you to FRC system? Being broken. <laughs> oh, the story of every trainer. <laughs> uh, yeah, for real. Um, uh, actually, I mean, what, what really threw me into it was, honestly, it was just a genuine, genuinely being intrigued by what it was initially. So that same trainer I mentioned earlier, I told him that I was looking at paying for a scraping certification through uh, rock tape or doing a rock blade certification was what I was on the fence about doing. Um, I was not a therapist at the time. So I was in contact with this guy regularly and we were talking about what made most sense. And he just kept reminding me like, hey, you're not a therapist. So you really, as much as you want to go pay to do this course, like it's probably not going to be super beneficial for you right now. So he told me about FRC and then I realized I can do that showed me I can do this super tissue specific stuff from a training perspective. And that's what really grabbed my interest with that. 
I had no idea it was going to be as awesome as it is. I didn't know it was going to change me as much as it has, but it was, uh, it was, it was kind of a curveball thrown at me. It wasn't even something that I had found on my own or wanted, well, really had looked at doing. It would just, it just, I guess it just excited me enough to throw me off course, which if anybody listening to this knows me, you know that I can teeter quickly and I have a little bit of a squirrel brain when it comes to <laughs> things I want to do and things I want to learn. I always want to do everything and I'm going to follow whatever. I'm like a moth. Where's the brightest light? Let me go to it. And I'm going to just go to that. But it worked out in my favor. Yeah. So I've been, I'm, I'm happy with the way it's gone. That's for sure. Yeah. Let's dive a little bit into the FRC world and how they break down flexibility versus mobility versus stability. Let's try to define that to the listener on what okay. those terms are really. So within the, I'm gonna speak in terms of the FRC world. Okay, and then feel I, free to uh, add in your perspective. I, I was gonna say, I'm gonna yeah. add in a few things because uh, hopefully some of the FRC guys who listen to this don't get mad at me. <laughs> Hey, you I've, been through the challenge. I've been through the whole system, guys. This is just because <laughs> I've, I've, I've gone through it all. So now I can make decisions. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's good to be challenged F a little bit. Right. So yeah. functional range conditioning, FRC, FRS, whatever you want to refer to it as, um, they define flexibility as passive, as a passive range of motion thing. So sitting in a stretch for a long time, no contractions of any kind, no movement of any kind. We, they look, they talk about flexibility as something that is completely passive. There's no active component at all. So it's just like sitting in a straddle on the ground, flexibility, passive. Mobility is anything that is, requires length of tissue, but has an active control. So flexibility is just range of motion that you have. Mobility is the range of motion you can do something with and have control over flexibility plus strength is mobility. At least that's how they like to talk about it. Um, from with that people who, if you follow literature, when it comes to flexibility, we know that flexibility has four different categories of static, passive, static, active, dynamic, passive, dynamic, active, mm -hmm. and mobility is defined as something entirely different in the literature. So when they, the literature just refers to mobility as having a mobile base of support that can get you from point A to point B. I say that so that way you can have both sides to this because I think it's, it's good to have both sides. Mm -hmm. Now, I understand and I fully support why FRC calls mobility flexibility plus strength and why they teach it the way they do. Because to have, from a literature standpoint, a mobile base of support that will get you to point A to point B safely, the more control and available range of motion you have in any given joint gives you a better base of mobility. So I get why they have said the way they've said things. Um, I just say both of these so that way people can kind of connect the dots. Yeah. If you're a literature nut compared to somebody who's only been through the FRC stuff, yeah. um, there's a, they cross over very well. And yeah. I think we need to, we need to hear both sides. Yeah. Um, Different language but similar concept. Yeah, different language, similar concept. Some people will say that FRC is not scientifically based and evidence-based like they claim to be. Mm. They are, but it's just, it's been marketed to say things a certain way. They're very good at their marketing. They're very good at what they do. 
I kind of still prefer the way that they do things over some of the deep scientific nerdy stuff in the literature. Um, it's simplified. It makes more sense. It really does. I know the some human. research guy for the human. Yeah, yeah it makes yeah. more sense. So yeah, did I answer yeah. your question? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do they talk about stability in there? That oh, part? yes, yes, yes. I knew I missed something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so stability for within the FRC world is basically grouped into mobility. Because if you have flexibility and you have strength in that flexibility, and if you do things in the FRC realm, the way it's coached, so something that is, is a fundamental in FRC is something called controlled articular rotations. So some people know this terminology in relation to what's called a joint circle, just yes. a general range of motion of a That's joint. That's the trend right now. That's the trend right now, for sure. So cars, controlled articular rotations, are just a ultra-specific joint circle. Um, where a joint circle is just like a, a general whip your arm around in a circle, a car would focus on taking, say, the shoulder, for example, through maximal internal rotation, abduction, flexion, external rotation and extension in a series where you capture every possible movement a joint can produce. So, and that's from a body control and like a neurological control and neuropathway perspective that gets us more bang for our buck from, from a stability standpoint. If you can teach your body to use every single piece of tissue in a given joint or articulation, you will become more stable. Is it stability training by definition? Probably not the best way of actually saying it, but it does make you more stable. And I've seen, I have clients who have said their balance has increased dramatically from just doing hip cars every day. I don't train them to stand on one leg and touch their nose and then touch their toes and then do a single leg RDL on a BOSU ball. Like you'll never, ever, ever see me do that. But this type of training gives a better foundation for stability. So that when you're doing these traditional single leg stability exercises, you have more control and more potential for that to get the adaptation that you want. So mobility and stability within FRS is kind of put together and just the training. If you look at the, FR, the FRC flow chart, because we, we have a flow chart that is basically a, a, I mean, it's just a process of how to rationalize where you're going to go with your clients with this stuff. Um, and if you look at the flow chart, you can, you can see where this stability bias stuff kind of plays in with certain portions of the training. Um, I'm not going to get too into all that because it's a lot of, yeah. a lot of verbiage that, that is very specialized and you guys are going to have no idea what I'm saying <laughs> yeah. as I go through it. Oh yeah. But yeah. because yeah, like the average person, like it's cool for us to talk about, but the average person, they get thrown into these things and say they get great results and then they just kind of live by it. But there's just too many variables that you also have to take into account, right? Mm -hmm. And so like FRC is not how you just should work out. It's part of something that you add into your right. whole program, correct? Right. So, so now that we set that foundation on what those things are and define them, let's carry that over into how that applies into uh, working out and how that how that is very valuable to do in training. I'll start off by saying that there's a lot of practitioners that use FRC very, very differently. They use this. Some people like myself, we can go through 60, 90 minute, two hours at a time with a client doing nothing but this nitty gritty joint focused flexibility, mobility, strength training, hybrid stuff. Other people that I've seen will just use bits and pieces of this scattered into a workout 
just to add a little bit of range of motion input with their training, which is totally not a bad thing. Yeah. Um, but the best way to utilize this flexibility mobility training, it of course will depend, depend on your goals. But typically the best way to utilize this stuff is you'll start a beginning of a workout by prepping your joints. And that's going to be like where these cars come in. And we get, if you could take all of your joints through full range of motion prior to exercise, not only do you kind of give the tissue a little prime, but if you look at it from a, neuro, a neurological standpoint, you're teaching your brain and your muscles to talk to each other in all of their possible ranges of motion prior to training. Even if your workout is going to be bench press, like a push pull workout, and you're going to do chest and back. I promise you, if you take your shoulders, elbows, wrists, and scapulas and your spine through their full possible range of motion before a workout, you will get more out of that tissue because every receptor within that stuff is going to be primed up and have a little stimulus. So then when you ask it to do something else, it's going to be more willing to do what you want it to do. So some people will just stretch before a workout and stretching before a workout is fine, but we need to remember that after a static stretch or a passive stretch, we need to reinforce it with something active. We need a, cause a passive input is going to give us a passive result. An active input will give us an active result. So you can do this type of mobility training before you work out as a primer, followed up with dynamic movement, or you can do it at the end of a workout after you've done your traditional strength training, then you can get into more of the strength-based FRC stuff, which is where we utilize things like pails and rails, which is, uh, we would just, for example, uh, pails, by the way, pails is progressive angular isometric loading. Rails is regressive angular isometric loading. You can think of this also as if you're in a, say you're in a split, for example, the pails contraction would be contracting against the stretch. So if your legs are pulled open in a split, you would be contracting against the ground. That's your pails and a rails would be the opposite, trying to actively deepen yourself into the stretch and pull away from it. And now I feel like I'm just going into the programming of how we do this stuff. <laughs> no, which is, but... <laughs> so, you know, so yeah, so uh, to bring it back a little bit and kind of recenter. So how would you explain to somebody what people call warming up, right? You said primer, which I like. I think, I think that's a better term there's a reason why I don't like the word, the term warm up. I get it to compartmentalize certain things like your workout, just mm -hmm. to kind of warm up uh, yourself. But I think what, what how you explain it is more clear in that you're accessing something deeper and giving a different sensation. So how would you explain that to somebody briefly? Because someone, you could tell someone do cars and then they'll be like, well, I'll just, I just do that all the time. I'm using my shoulder all the time. So why do I have to warm it up, right? Why is that important? How would you explain that to someone? When you're priming something for a workout, so I'm going to keep using that primer term terminology. So yeah. um, you only have access to what you use the most when it term comes down to like how we contract tissue and how we utilize tissue. So if you do the same generalized warm-up in the same ranges of motion that your body's used to all the time, you're just using the same stuff all the time. So if we think about priming the system and priming the joint, we want to get as much of the body aware of what we're going to ask it to do as possible. So by doing a controlled articular rotation, for example, you can talk to every little striational muscle belly, little fiber of tissue. You can talk to every receptor of the joint and you can get the entire thing to fire up and be primed and ready to work out. 
which gives you more variability of tissue you can use in your workout. So people who are like trying to sculpt and people who are trying to, you know, bodybuilder style aesthetic goals. Like if you guys take the time to explore range of motion with some tension and really challenge what your, how you control your body before you train, you'll get more out of your workout because you just have more stuff that's working. You have more tissue working. Your central nervous system is going to talk to the joint better. The joint's going to talk to the tissue better. And then the downstream and upstream communication is just, it's primed. It's better. It's faster. It's like DSL versus fiber optic internet. I mean, which, which one would you rather have? Good. Yeah. Good. And is that an analogy? Comparison? We'll call it that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I even looked up the word prime right now really quick instead of warm up. Uh, but it says it's like the earliest stage, the most active, thriving, or satisfying stage or period, which I think that's kind of true for that type of work because you're starting, that's where the most work is, is important so that you can lift that barbell or do that contraction, right? Right. So that's pretty interesting. But so uh, something that you kind of touched on indirectly that we're going back to is how the nervous system is really important for that. Right. Uh, explain a little bit of why, why the nervous system is the key for everything. Really. I mean, your, your central nervous system controls everything. It, it, regardless of how well you can consciously contract your bicep or consciously contract your quads or no matter how good you get at doing a task that you feel like you've consciously controlled, it all comes down to your CNS. Your, C, your central nervous system is re responding to everything. Um, it's talking to your joint capsules. It's talking to your ligaments and your tendons. It's talking to your muscles. Um, different parts of the body have different feedback systems. Uh, up and downstream to your brain. So if, and the joints respond differently than the muscles and the muscles respond differently than your spinal cord and your, your, it's all different. Yeah. So we need to make sure that we remember that the CNS is, is the highest level when it comes to how we look at the human body. If we get too caught up in just muscle stuff and we don't think about how the brain controls it, you're missing like 85% of the puzzle. And the using like the FRC system and the FRS system and using functional range release, the muscle, we look at the muscle as low hanging fruit to the central nervous system. And the, the white tissues are, are also kind of low hanging fruit to the central nervous system. So by utilizing this approach, we can train the central nervous system to learn that this joint, this muscle can do what we ask it to do. And it's just a, it's a better approach to getting what we want out of the body. People need to, we need to remember that this, it's all brain games. Like working out is a brain game, whether you think it is or not. Um, I know for some people, it's, it's very much a brain game. It can be very emotional. It can be very um, therapeutic for some people, but we need to, we need to, it's good to know that it is the, a very neurologically driven activity that we're doing. Um, yeah. And you, we, it's, we need to just respect that. As much as we want to just blow the hell out of our biceps and our quads and our hamstrings, you know, doing whatever it is, you know, give your brain some credit because it's what's controlling all of this to happen. And that being said, if you overtrain and your system, your, your central nervous system is always on 100% effort, think of it as a battery. Like that battery starts to run out and we, we can't just abuse ourselves day in and day out. And that's like, that's where you've, some people have heard like the 80, 20 rule, 
when it comes to training, like 80% of the time we should be low level, 20% of the time we should be higher intensity. It's different for different things. Um, but that's to keep the central nervous system happy, which keeps the brain happy, what allows us to recover, what allows us to perform what we want to, and keeps us on this progressive gain train that gets us where we want to go. It's funny because uh, this is a different aspect of mental health, if you think about it. Like, uh, and it's, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a way to kind of talk about it I, I, uh, because there's something there. Like everything goes back to the brain. Brain has a lot, right. of, jo- a lot of jobs. Right. And so right now everyone has like a mental health conversation, but talking about this type of mental health for uh, the nervous system, that's really important because that's like you moving. And just, just to piggyback on that, because um, you're totally right. I have, uh, I've, the longer I do this stuff, especially this body awareness training, this range of motion training, teaching people to understand and communicate with their body, the feedback I've gotten from some people from the emotional release side of things, from the, ther- the mental therapy side of things is pretty incredible. Um, Fitness has always been my outlet. It's always been something that I do to keep myself balanced, to keep myself sane, to keep me happy, whatever you want to call it. But I have a couple of clients that I've worked with recently who've told me that they come in for a session and I teach them how to find a new piece of their rib cage via breath work and then via rotation of the spine. And they go home and they cry for hours. Mm-hmm. And it's like, they're like, I don't know what you did to me, but you released something that I haven't felt in a long, long time. And, um, there's a, there's a book, I can't remember who it's written by, but it's called the body keeps the score. Um, and it talks about basically how our bodies store trauma in different ways. A lot of us store stress and trauma physically, whether we give it the credit or not, that that's actually what's going on. Um, like personally, I, when I get really, really stressed, I actually, I store stress in my neck and in my legs. Um, I've recently, the legs thing has become much more present to me. Um, but when I do certain activities that involve loosening my neck or just becoming more in tune with how I'm utilizing the musculature in my neck or my legs, my whole, my spirit is lighter. My energy is, is cleaner. I can move through the day better. I feel like a happier person. And I think people need to understand that movement is medicine. Like I know that, that, verbiage gets thrown around a lot but for some of us movement is is therapy like is our emotional therapy it is our counselor whatever you want to think of it as um and it's powerful to get in tune with your body and and become one with it it really really is even dancers like it's so emotive right so there is oh yeah there's this emotional thing that your body is holding on and when you give it the space to move in different ways Mm -hmm. you 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 open up those those channels that you're like wow why am i crying about this but like even you helping your clients you're giving one them consciously awareness but also their unconscious awareness of like Mm -hmm. wow like there's more to explore here i thought that was my end right right there Mm -hmm. and it's layered it's kind of philosophical to really get down down into it (laughs) it's 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 cool though i mean it's it's just it's so freaking powerful man i mean between movement the movement world and like ice baths and heat exposure and cold exposure and stuff like that and all the different breathwork practices out nowadays like those are all forms of therapy yeah i don't care what anybody says we can call them recovery <laughs> we can call them recovery methods yeah, yeah, yeah but for a lot of people that's like that's your therapy yeah and it's yeah. it's powerful and it's so yeah. cool what it can do you start to realize that when you have something to ground yourself with, how you're using your tools with FRC and all the different things that you've gotten, like that's where you always go back to. 
you're working with someone, but the goal is we need to fix this shoulder. We need to fix this hip, right? If all the other stuff happens, that's great. But at mm -hmm. least let's kind of, let's measure this and say over time and see how that goes. And then people on their own start to make those connections. Now I can walk somewhere or I can pick up my daughter or something, you know, like those mm -hmm. little things are the things that like all the work that you did with them is what's, it's now flourishing in those aspects in their lives. So in that being said, who would you say are the people looking for what you do with FRC or what you do? I'm, I mean, I always joke and say, if you're a human that breathes and moves, you probably could benefit from what I do. Um, true, true. But, but you end up getting but, like a niche, don't you? Like you end up getting people that understand that, right? With what right. you're doing. And lately, it's, there's a, there's a, a curiosity piece that seems to attract most people to me initially. Um, mm -hmm. Since this, mo the mobility movement or the movement movement, I guess, if you want to call it that <laughs> throughout Instagram has become very, very powerful. Everybody's trying to flexibility, this mobility, that flow, yeah. whatever, that's what everybody's doing now. Yeah. So, and I'm, I'm thankful because the functional range conditioning stuff is becoming more and more popular. And as people find mobility, they find FRC. And I just happened to be one of like two or three practitioners in DFW, which blows my mind that we have what, three, 4 million people here. And I'm right. one of two or three that actually does this stuff and is specialized yeah. in it. There's a, there's about over a dozen people in, in just the Dallas area that I know are certified, but very few of them maximize the potential of the practice. Well, that's what I kind of based off earlier, like when you go to these classes, there's a lot of people in the class, right? But then mm -hmm. you look at the certification of who's, who's available and it's just three and you're one of the three, mm -hmm. right? But yeah. like, where did all yeah. those other people go? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the people who find me typically more often than not, what I've hear from my clients is they have found me as a last effort to try to fix their shoulders, fix their hips, fix their back, um, get mobile again, feel young again, feel better, whatever it is. Um, mm. it's, it's, it's almost heartbreaking and it's very frustrating to hear how many people get mistreated by physical therapists, massage therapists, chiropractors, other trainers who claim to be corrective specialists, whatever it yeah. is. And I can work, and I don't mean to sound vain, but I mean, in 10 minutes with assessing somebody, I can figure out very quickly where the biggest limitations are. And I hear people who spend six months, eight months working with a physical therapist and their shoulder range of motion is only increased by five degrees. And it's just, it's, it's a little frustrating that yeah. this is the type of treatment that's standard across the board. Um, so, I mean, most of the people who find me are, they're looking for something that can help. And I'm very fortunate to have a skill set that helps tremendously. And for a lot of people, this stuff is more like rehab. It's more like physical therapy, mm -hmm. um, which is the niche I kind of find myself in more often than not. I have a few pro athletes that I work with, and those guys are the ones I get to do the super cool stuff with because they're already like genetic monsters. So I can just do super <laughs> flexibility work with them, high-end yeah. isometric loading and those are the people, like when I post those videos, that's the stuff that gets people's attention. Yeah. And then those people come in to see me and then we're doing rehab and they're like, I can tell it kind of throws them off, but they progress mm -hmm. and they, they see the whys and they understand. And luckily this, the word of mouth is, is increasing. The referral network is increasing. People are talking to family members and stuff about this type of thing. 
And um, I've even heard other clients who've been told by their uh, their MDs or their chiros to go find a movement specialist. So, and I'm, I'm really, really glad that there's people that are actively looking for this now. Um, I wish there was more of us. I really, really do. Yeah. Uh, I, I wish this joint mobility specialized training was taught to be as common as your standard massage therapy. Yeah. Cause they go hand in hand. Yeah. Um, in a perfect world, I feel like everybody who gets a massage should immediately be followed up with some type of joint specific training. Um, there's yeah. the, you, you need, you get through, you, we, we just, they go hand in hand. Like we just need that sure. stuff. Um, that being said, if you're somebody who hasn't had a massage in six months, go get a massage, please. It'll be good for you. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to, I'm going to do a whole section on a massage, but so by definition, you are a personal trainer. Right. And I, I really want to kind of focus on this for a little bit, because I feel yeah. like this would really be valuable for uh, any trainer that's listening or people who are interested in training that this this field, if you decide to go into it as a career, I've always talked to everyone, every new trainer that I've met or uh, or this with other trainers that have been in the field long time and still kind of maybe hit a roadblock by definition, you are a personal trainer. And I think there's some value in knowing what that really means. But then you reach a point where there is this specialized world. And I, I, that's why I wanted to have you also, because you've developed this very specific niche of what you do and the people that come to see you. And you've built a business that just thrives on that, right? And you've, you've, you've morphed it into that because I'm sure you've done training, like you've said in the past. Mm -hmm. But as you've gotten and learned a lot more things and kind of nitpick your own work, you start to funnel in to what you want to specifically work with. And the people that you get understand that. So you don't spend a lot of time trying to convince them of something that you're wanting to do that is still going to help them, right? So how did you build a business around that concept? And how do you maintain that conversation to where you don't have to have the one where it's like, this is why it's important for you to stay here, or this is why it's important for you to learn this way? Um, well, I'll be honest with you. What I would have probably, I would probably still be struggling to transition from trainer to this joint mobility specialist mm -hmm. if it hadn't been for COVID. Um, COVID was a swift kick in the tail that allowed me to dump a lot of garbage clientele. And I don't mean that in the sense like my no. clients were bad and I didn't like them, yeah, but yeah. I was transitioning from standard traditional training to this joint mobility specialist and becoming a massage therapist. My clients knew where I was moving. Some of them actually helped pay for some of my first certifications. I mean, I, and I'm forever grateful for some of those people, but they also weren't willing to make the jump with me. As I was learning this stuff, I was telling, I was changing their programs and I was telling them, Hey, we need to, we need to go back to some basics. Like we have new fundamentals that we need to work on because your body, your hip doesn't internally rotate. Your spine doesn't flex and extend segmentally at all. Your, your, you know, your shoulder doesn't internally rotate, blah, blah, blah. And a lot of these people didn't want to hear that. And thankfully COVID allowed me to reset completely. Um, I lost probably 80 to 85% of my business when COVID happened. And as terrible as it was, it was the biggest blessing in disguise ever. So I, cause I got to start from scratch. Um, and I was able to kind of completely 
rebuild myself. And at that point, that was where my social media became the driving factor of where I reinvented myself. And I just made this serious effort to just keep posting and keep telling people and keep shoving it in people's faces as to why you need to consider this as a form of training, like why this is important. And I mean, it took about a year of shoving it in everybody's face. And luckily in that same time frame, that became more popular across social media. And now I've just, the pipeline has been filled and now I'm blessed to be in a niche where I'm one of the few people that does it. Um, but it's a, it wasn't an easy transition. I will say that it was not an easy transition. I mean, I had many, many nights where it was wondering if I had made the right choice, wondering if I needed to go back to regular training, but as people get bought in and they understand the whys, everybody sticks. Yeah. What is an example of something that you did that contributed to that, to that change? Cause now you're um, have a very thriving business. So share a story or maybe something uh, that you've done during that process uh, that helped you kind of even pursue you more into that being successful, just specializing in that. Oh, the, what really led to the, what led to everything was, was documenting um, some of these success stories okay. that I've been able to do for some people. Like some of the stuff I've been able to help people with, I don't even really understand how I was able to do what I did for somebody and how it was be so impactful. But mm -hmm. when I have those type of stories and I have these types of before and afters and I have these um, reviews from people and this word of mouth from what, where we started versus where we are, that's kind of, that's been the driving factor that's allowed me to become successful and allowed me to have a good backing behind what I do. Um, I think if I would just be a five, I was just some guy, if I hadn't have been documenting all this and posting constantly, I don't think I would have the business I have. Um, people need to see this stuff. And I, and I think that's the same way with regular training, to be honest with you, people need to see what, who you are and what you do. But when you're in a specialized niche, people need to see it every day. I mean, yeah. you, even if you only have a handful of followers watching you, I mean, you need to remind people constantly on the importances and the whys and early on, I did a lot of educational talks. I mean, I would just set my camera up and I would record a 20 minute video of me just talking about why your hip needs to internally rotate, why your foot needs to supinate and pronate actively, why your big toe needs to be able to move. And I would just have these talks with myself and, you know, thank God for the people who cared to listen because it was, it, it's, it stuck. And, um, you know, now I've just constantly do the same thing. I've refined the way that I make my videos. I've refined the way that I put out the information. I have study groups now where I teach other FRC practitioners how to maximize this stuff. And um, now it's just, I'm just, now I'm making it more of my own. Um, but in the beginning, it was, it, was, it was a lot of nitty gritty work of just putting it out there. And I think that's the hardest part that gets the most frustrating is you can spend 20 hours a week doing social media content and get nothing from it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, it can suck sometimes, mm -hmm. but eventually people will see it enough. And that's when, that's when things start to really work out. That's cool. That's documentation. That's, that's, that's very cool. That's very interesting. I, I like that. <laughs> I like that answer because no one documents. <laughs> right. A, Not lot, a lot of I mean, people do that. No, in the training world too. I mean, We've, I mean, I, 
a lot of people just walk in with their client or the client walks in and they're like, what are we doing today? And they're like, when'd you work out last? I'm like, oh, I did yeah. legs yesterday. They're like, all right, you want to do chest and bias today? All right, cool. Exactly. Like, yeah. That's your programming. Like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've talked about that where, where it's like, you know, people just kind of don't have a uh, an end goal or mm-hmm. a benchmark that they're trying to hit. And that's important. And especially if you oh, document yeah. that aspect, it's right. powerful for you and it's powerful for them. But, and that's kind of exactly what you just said. I think that's huge of how you've developed to where you are now. Cause you, you're looking at your own work, you're nitpicking everything and mm-hmm. like, what is work? And how can I make this more efficient? So part of that, um, I constantly throughout my life always want to try to simplify the foundations of things. And in this series uh, with recovery, I felt it necessarily to put what you do and your specialty in this one because it's it's something people don't do and it's something that is I think foundational to movement. So how does that relationship look like to you, recovery and what you do? So um, I, I made the comment earlier of a about the central nervous system kind of being a battery. And then I made the comment of passive inputs giving us passive results or, and then active inputs giving us active results. So if we think about the central nervous system being a battery that is energy and requires energy to do things and it learns via force stimulus, then when we think of recovery, we need to remember that if we want to recover better, we have to give our body a stimulus to adapt to. Laying on your couch, on your off day does not teach your body anything. Getting a massage on your off day of training does not teach your body how to recover better. Yes, it feels great. Yes, you get to relax. Your system, your parasympathetic autonomous nervous system does enjoy that. It, it reduces your fight or flight response. There's some yeah. hormonal things that happen that will help you recover better, but you're not teaching your central nervous system anything in terms of... Yeah what we want it to do. So when we think of the mobility stuff, we need to remember that if we want like our off days and our recovery time is where our body is rebuilding. Now your recovery day does not need to be bench pressing at 50% or 60% of what you would normally max out at. Like that's not necessarily recovery, but we need to remind that the, the body that the tissues that we're using are capable of the links, literally the links that we, the links that we want them to be able to get into. A lot of people will take two days off and then they come back in their first few workouts. They feel really stiff because yeah. they didn't move at yeah. all. Like things like, I mean, like being on the ground and moving around and exploring range of motion on your off day is one of the most underrated practices that I feel like people can do. And what's one thing I, I do give yoga credit for is there's a lot of people that will do yoga on their off day. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a big yoga guy. I'm not a fan of repetitive postures and sequence to gain the optimal range of motion results. If that's what you do and that's, and it's that or nothing, then by all means do yoga, like mm-hmm. for sure, like it's going to be great for you, but we need to remind our body on its during its recovery windows that we still have all of this, all these movable bits and all the potential that they have. So by exploring range of motion of a shoulder and elbow and knee and hip numerous times during your off day and repetition, 
you're just reinforcing to your central nervous system. Like, Hey, we got a hip here that does a lot of cool stuff. Let's make sure that as we get into the next training phase or the next training day, we're ready to go for some, whether that's low level static stretching, that's followed up with some dynamic movement. Sometimes I just tell people to do their cars on their off days and just move through range of motion. Like that's like the best low hanging fruit ever to just reminding your system that it has, it still has what it has. Cause when we train, we break down tissue and when your body breaks down tissue, it limits range of motion because it senses threat. It's injured is what mm-hmm. it thinks. Mm-hmm. So if you don't remind it, Hey, we're not injured. We're just a little tight. It's going to tighten and it's going to stay tight. And then your mm-hmm. next few workouts are going to suck. Mm-hmm. So we need those, those just active inputs of range of motion alone are just incredibly beneficial and it helps with blood flow. It helps with moving fluid around. I believe there's some literature out that states that 10 to 15 repetitions of even a general joint circle will improve synovial fluid secretion in your joints. Mm -hmm. And that's your lubrication for your body. So move your shit, like (laughs) (laughs) make it and make it move, like do things like just be goofy and move around. Yeah. Like, I mean, a, even just like dancing in your, in your room, like a crazy person sometimes can be a great movement practice. And like we talked about earlier, like that can be an emotional release too, which yeah. is recovery. Like that's feeling better. Yeah. So it all goes hand in hand. Like there's yeah, yeah. this big ass spider web of stuff that you can do. <laughs> yeah. Recovery world is big. It, the cool thing is you can do it in the morning when you wake up, you could do it during your training session. You could do it mm-hmm. before your training session. So I wanted you to talk about how much home care is a part of what you do and that conversation with your client. Home care, you mean like homework, like what they do at home? So, I mean, usually with the clientele that I see, I used to give them like a very extensive at-home program that I wanted them to do, Mm -hmm. uh, only to be constantly disappointed at people's (laughs) ability to do homework. Um, So... That's so the case across now, the board too, though. <laughs> yeah. So now what I do is I will typically give somebody two to three things. Um, and that's, that's usually it. And they're big ticket items. Um, and I just want somebody to, cause what we do, whether we think about it or not as a coach, whether your niche is nutrition, strength training or mobility, or, you know, an integrated therapy, like I do, um, we're teaching people to change their behaviors in some way, shape or form. So I only give people a little nugget that they can bite off of every day or on their off days and be sure they can execute properly. Um, So I don't, I mean, it's not a whole lot of, it's not anything crazy, but I want people to, you know, get used to moving their hip around every day to some level. Um, Especially if someone's got something nasty going on, like if, if not for the range of motion, just for the secretion of the synovial fluid of a joint, like just so they can understand that, that, that the, 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 the rationale behind it movement is going to lubricate the stuff that, that is where the movement takes place. So if I can get you to understand that some movement somewhere will make that piece move better, that's my goal. And I will make that as simplified as I need to, to get somebody to, to take that bait and bite onto it. Um, cause I used to just give people an arsenal of stuff and they'd be like, dude, it takes me forever to go through this. I don't want to do it. Like, blah, blah, blah. And as I've dumbed things down and made it easier, the buy-in is higher and people do their homework better and they feel better because they only have to master one skill instead of trying to master a whole program. And I, I just, I, I think that's something people need to remember when it comes to not just mobility, not just recovery, but train just life in general. Like 
one thing at a time, master one thing at a time and just let that become a part of your, your, your day, your process, whatever, and just reap the benefits of it. Uh, share with, share an experience of when something was very frustrating for you and how you were working with someone or trying to figure something out. Cause I'm sure you had a lot with specifically with that world, mm-hmm. you know, like, so I have a, um, a client I am currently working with and she's, she's, she's great. She really is. Um, but she is a challenge. She is somebody who has been working towards improving her movement for a while, uh, on her own. And she used to be a professor of anatomy at a university. So she knows a lot more than your average bear in terms of her body. Um, so she will, she challenges me semi-regularly to say the least on things we're doing, but she is, she's somebody who is caught up in the alignment of her body. Mm. She wants everything to be aligned and don't we all, yeah, don't we all? So I know I'm trying to try to be nice here, so, <laughs> but you know, she's, she's somebody who's gone through a string of chiropractors who all focus on their alignment. They're flying seven chiropractors who just want to snap you seven times in seven minutes and get you out. Um, that's just what they do. And their whole thing is, Oh, you're aligned now. Oh, you came in all your hips are out of alignment. Oh, your shoulders not aligned. Oh, your neck's not aligned. So she thinks everything is out of alignment and I don't like it is a use that language. I don't oh, either. Man. I don't either. It's very, it's very toxic. It's not yes, healthy. It, no. it fucks up people. And I hate it. Hate yeah, it. Yeah. Um, because I am somebody who was taught that for a long time. And I still, now I kick myself anytime. I'm like, ah, oh, I'm not aligned. I'm like, who cares? Whatever. I feel fine. Yeah. Just keep moving. Uh, um, so I have to constantly remind her and I subtly challenge her because she's also somebody who has had a lot of emotional release during our mm. sessions. Um, I know she has a background that's filled with trauma. I mean, she's, she's had many emotional releases during our sessions, um, which I appreciate that people are willing to be vulnerable with me. Um, I really, really am. But like I said, she, she challenges the way that I have to talk to people mm. and um, which is good because it makes me figure out how to articulate a goal in a way that can fit any type of person. Um, but when you're dealing with, and this is just people listening right now, like we need to remember that like alignment is a, is like a myth, like being balanced is a myth in the body. Like if we just like, we don't have two livers, we have one liver. It sits on one side. Your diaphragm is bigger on one side than the other. You're, you have more large intestine on one side than the other. Like you have, we are not balanced creatures, like by any means. Um, so when we think about alignment, like we need to kind of let go of the balance thing and focus on how we feel. So like with this client specifically, I have to constantly ask her like, cause she's her, her first rib is somehow out every time I see her. Don't know if anybody has ever actually had a rib that's out, but you can't really breathe. You can't really talk. Uh, yeah. it's really fucking painful when yeah. a rib is out, but she gets super caught up on, what attention that she feels. So I have to remind her regularly, like, you're okay. You can move. It might not feel great, but like, if there's no pain, it's just something like we have to work through. Yeah. And I find that's, that's been the most, that's a regular challenge with me, with her specifically, but every session I have with her, we both gain a lot from it because it makes me a better coach. It makes me way more empathetic 
Um, it's, it's, it allows me to, to match with a, a typical client I otherwise years ago would have shrugged off and said, I don't want to work with this person. Um, so I, I'm thankful for those challenges. Um, but that's definitely like the thing that comes into my head the most is these, uh, this, this, the, the clientele who wants to be centered and they want to be aligned and they want to be super balanced and they want to stand in front of a mirror and everything to be stacked perfectly. And it's just, um, that's a, that's an unhealthy strive of perfection that I think people need to try to let go of. And I know for some of us, that's incredibly difficult to accept, you know, progress, progress over perfection when it comes to your body. Nice. And we, we need to just focus on that. You know, if you can get better one, if you can get 1% better with one hour of something a day, just focus on that. Did you did you make that up? Progress over perfection. Um, that's funny. You said no. I actually, <laughs> that's pretty good. I, I, wish, I wish I could take credit for that. No. Wow. Um, I was like, wow, that's deep. That's good. <laughs> yeah. No. I uh, I taught Ken Stretch. I did a pop up event um, at a at a facility out in South Lake this past weekend. Uh, APE Fitness and Performance out in South Lake, mm-hmm. and um, they have on their wall. It's really beautiful, like graffiti style artwork on their wall, and mm-hmm. it says progress, not perfection. And I, cool. I mean, and it's, and I just, I, I love that. At first I remember seeing it and my initial response was, that's stupid. Everybody wants to be perfect. And then like, <laughs> and then I mean, I immediately was like, oh no, that's really smart. Like we need to, we need to focus on the progress and realize that perfection is just simply the desired end goal. Yeah. Like it's something to work towards You're yeah. what perfect is. I don't think anybody really has a good answer for Yeah. If you do, write a book about it and let's see yeah. how, we, how, how we feel. <laughs> yeah. It's the unattainable. I mean, I don't think, I think that's what's interesting to people because no one's ever gotten it or been able to explain what perfection is because it's very subjective. Yeah. And that's something I tell my clients a lot too. And this, this, this niche that I have in this practice, a lot of people will ask me like, Oh, what is a perfect hip? Like, what is a, what should my hip do? What should my shoulder do? I'm like, your shoulder should, your shoulder should do whatever it needs to do to be a healthy shoulder. Like my hockey goalie has a hip that needs to be really good at one thing. And then my client who works a nine to five and walks their dog in the evening and that's their only workout, their hips need to do something entirely different. Like perfect is subjective. Yeah. It is, it is not a one size fits all. Yeah. And I think we need to, we need to remember that, especially with like the way social media is nowadays, there's some freaky movers out there. There's some freaky aesthetic people out there. There's yeah. some freaky genetic athletes out there. Yeah. Like those people are the outliers of what we need to realize, like what perfection, I guess might mm-hmm. be yeah. because they're, they're in a different field. They're, mm-hmm. they're a whole different species of human compared to the rest of us. Mm-hmm. So general, like we just need to like, just, progress focus on your progress yeah focus on feeling better focus on the day-to-day focus on the one percent yeah and you'll get there and you'll get there at some point and then you'll at not get point. there then you'll come back again and then it's back and forth that's right yeah <laughs> uh i like the story that you shared because i feel there is a lot of value with having clients that you are struggling with as a trainer or practitioner or whatever you are mm-hmm. because those prepare you for someone else that might come around and you'll know you're better armed with the tools on how to deliver that information to them. And I think a lot of trainers might fire someone because they don't, they keep butting heads 
right? Mm -hmm. And and or they're questioning them too much, or they don't know how to handle that situation. You are the you are the leader of that conversation. So it falls more on you to try to accommodate what you're saying so that it they know how to hear it, right? Mm -hmm. And that takes time. Uh, and then after that time, you become proficient in it. And then every, all those experiences have led you to whenever someone comes like that, you know exactly what to say, or, or you have a few things that you can try. And one of those are going to work because you've had like tens of those. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's something that's frustrating, but it's, I think that's what kind of keeps you also keeps that fire alive in, in, mm -hmm. in what you're doing in your field. Right? Absolutely. Well, I think those were all my questions. Is there anything that you think we missed out on or something we can touch on before we leave? Um, no, I mean, I just want to, I just want to just, just kind of going on, just recapping on a couple of things that I said yeah. that I think people should take away. Um, you know, like, like we said, progress is where we need to focus on things, progress, not perfection. And then when it comes to this mobility stuff and this movement stuff and this like range of motion training, I just want people to remember the active input active result, passive input, passive result. I just, I just want y'all to have that as a takeaway. If you want, if you want better movable parts for activity, you have to train them actively. If you just need to be more flexible, that's something that's typically more passive. It's more just, Hey, we need to stretch. So just yeah. remember there's a fine line between the two. Typically they go hand in hand. Like you, if you want, you need both. Um, make sure your passive training has an active result or has an active output put added to it so you can get the most out of it. And then remember it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an nitty gritty process. It's never going to be perfect, but you can always strive to progress it and make it better. And I will say, um, I, I tell you this briefly in times, but uh, it's been really cool to see your, your process of how, who you are today. And then it's still going because you I've seen you in action in your classes with your clients and there is such an intentful look on your face and energy around you when you're doing those things and even when you're doing your classes when there's a lot of people in the room uh you you take command and you're very confident in what you're saying and it's very cool to see it happen live so if anyone hasn't been to Nathan's class like I suggest that you go because he is someone that I'll always be like go to Nathan <laughs> like this is the guy you want to go see because it really it really has been cool seeing you grow as a human i'm gonna use your word because that's great <laughs> uh but yeah like i just i just want to give you a little bit of that attention because we keep doing our work and we kind of get enthralled in it and hearing it from outside yourself is is, is kind of it feels great and it's reassuring that you're on the right path and we have many conversations of like what that future looks like we've had conversations on what our past has looked like and, and that journey and, and it's just been always a pleasure to have a conversation with you and i'm glad that you were able to have time to sit down with me today and have that well i definitely appreciate it, man i know we always have great talks i'm looking forward to doing this again Maybe one day we'll sit down and have one where we talk about where i came from way before all this stuff that's a my my OG history is, is not what you would assume. No, it's not. Um, so the fact that I do what I do now is pretty ridiculous compared I, to where I used to be as a person. So right? I know. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, how did, before we leave, how did you, um, you've said it a couple of times throughout the, the podcast, taking care of the human. What led you to having that type of perspective now? Like, why do you use that as, as a way to describe 
that it's more than just working out or it's more than just recovery. It's more than just moving your arm in different positions. Everything that we do within this field, this fitness field, this health and wellness field, it all, we're all, we're, we're taking care of the human. We're taking care of ourselves. We're taking care of our clients in some way, shape or form. Um, <clears throat> and I, I, I just feel that the, the niche I'm in specifically, I feel like takes care of the, the body, the best. And that's just, that's my own personal opinion on that. If we treat our body as if it was a loved one, as weird as this might sound, if we treat our body like something we genuinely, genuinely care about. And like, we don't just want it to, we don't just want to beat it down. So it looks a certain way. Like we're not going to starve ourselves just to have a six pack, you know, like that kind of stuff. If we, if we treat ourselves as if we would want a, a loved one to be treated from a healthy perspective, I feel like that is what allows us to do the most for ourselves and then sets us up to be able to do the most for other people. So tell people where, uh, where they can find you. So um, I train out of, well, me and Isaac both work out of greater than performance and rehab uh, here in Dallas, Texas, um, yeah. over by the North Park Mall, if anybody local is listening to this. Um, from here, my, my Instagram is probably the best way to get a hold of me and see what I do. My, uh, my IG handle is physiofix.dallas. So that's P-H-Y-S-I-O-F-I-X dot Dallas, like Dallas, Texas. Um, and then I have a YouTube channel that's Physiofix Training Systems. That's where I have some of my longer, more um, coaching style videos, more educational stuff. Um, I have a, uh, for any FRC practitioners who might be listening to this, I have a, a Patreon um, account for our study groups. So it's a monthly study group that goes on. So if you want to maximize yourself as a practitioner, I offer that as well. And I believe that is also just Physiofix Training Systems. <clears throat> physio fix training systems on patreon um and then that and then on facebook it's just my name nathan barbosa but i don't really do much with facebook typically instagram is where i push people if they want to find me and youtube if you just want to have a whole bank of stuff to work through but i would definitely definitely go there and if you're not in dallas and you're not in texas and you're looking for somebody who might do what i do um the functional anatomy seminars.com website is where you want to go to find a FRC practitioner in your area. Um, they have a find, I think it's actually findyourprovider.com is their website, is their is their, their, their link that they've created to find it. Um, but I would go to functionalanatomyseminars.com and then go to find a provider, type in your area and see who pops up. But thanks, Nathan, I appreciate it. <laughs> Absolutely, thanks. thanks for having me, Isaac. Yeah, I'll, uh, no we'll talk soon, man. Thank you for listening to today's episode of This Undefined. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Share the voice. And if you want more content to explore, as well as follow other projects we're working on, go to the website at www.thekilosproject.com and follow us on Instagram at The Kilos Project. Till next time, train, recover, create.